0: Welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company for another week. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. This is a weekly discussion about El Camino de Santiago, a series of pilgrimages across Europe. The Camino is renowned for its ability to rejuvenate. And you might be wondering, how on earth can one be rejuvenated by walking 25 kilometers a day? Well, that's a very good question. The fact is, The simple act of walking each day and having very little else to weigh on your mind provides the perfect opportunity for reflection. And in that reflection, we see a different side of ourselves and those around us. Imagine your day. You wake up in a hostel. It's cheap as chips. You slap on your backpack and you head out the door. There's very little else to think or worry about other than where will I find coffee? You may or may not have... Booked somewhere to stay that night, it doesn't matter. Things will pretty much always sort themselves out. The slow tourism of pilgrimage lets you take in the sights and sounds of an ancient culture at your own speed. You might choose to pray as you walk. You might sing. You might reflect on mistakes. Or you might reflect on reasons to be cheerful. The best part is, it's your Camino to walk however you choose. And that's where you find the freedom to reflect, to enjoy the slow meditation of walking, to rejuvenate. I was talking with some friends this week, and one of whom is very ill. He most probably won't see Christmas, actually. And he said he'd been doing a lot of reading, a lot of research on how to pass away with no regrets. He had been doing a lot of reading. And I was struck by his honesty, truth be known. He hadn't always been the kindest person. In fact, he conceded that at times he had let a lot of people down. And he said he was trying to be a better human being to allow himself to die peacefully. He'd been reading work by a motivational speaker, somebody I'd never heard of, a bloke called Tony Gaskins. I don't know much about him, but my friend spoke highly of his work. But he has a quote, you attract what you are, not what you want. So if you want it, reflect it. And I was just so pleased that my friend had found the insight that he was looking for. And it struck me as a great quote to begin this week's podcast. So often we hear people say they found the best version of themselves while walking the Camino. Just last week, Jerry Everard choked up when he told the story of once being a grumpy old man. Remember his wife, Sharon, said she found the Jerry she married on the Camino. And I use the word joy a lot And that is absolute and utter joy. So, in becoming a pilgrim, in walking the Camino, in trying to be the best version of ourselves, we are reflecting what we want. And the Camino is the perfect place to learn how to do it. I was lucky enough to travel to the United States in March 2020 to talk and sing for the American Pilgrims on the Camino annual gathering at Lake Tahoe, and I met the most amazing people. I had the most wonderful time, and I had the great pleasure of meeting David Donsler, a director on the board of American Pilgrims on the Camino. David's on the line. Now, wait for it. He's in Big Sky, Montana. (laughs) Welcome, Pilgrims.
1: Thank you very much. And uh, let me tell you, on behalf of all the American pilgrims, uh, we're glad you're doing well, and um, I'm glad we are able to talk to you about the organization today.
0: Oh, thank you, David. Thank you. We've crossed paths a number of times since we first met at Lake Tahoe, and we'll get to that later. But as I said, you're in Big Sky, Montana, for what's called the One Collective President's Weekend. Tell us all about it.
1: Yeah, this is uh this is an interesting organization, and the tie to the Camino is uh, that they are the sponsors of the Pilgrim House in Santiago, and you might be familiar with that. That's uh, at the end of the Camino, um, and they offer um, they offer some very simple things. Um, w- when you walk in there, you can sit down and talk with somebody and reflect on the Camino and and kind of process it a bit. Um, you can do some you can do functional things like get your laundry done and uh, d- uh, print out your boarding pass and make arrangements for onward travel that sort of thing. So they fill a very important function in the community. And they're part of the larger uh, uh, nonprofit called One Collective. Now, One Collective has, um, has projects literally all over the globe on on six of the seven continents. And they do some amazing work. Their mission, uh, their stated mission is to bring people together uh, to help the oppressed. Now, I will tell you, they do a lot more than that. Uh, we, we've been hearing stories this weekend about uh, people uh, in a, you know in towns in Bulgaria, um, where and this is one thing I really like about what I've heard this weekend, uh, the people that are going out to these places like uh, like Bulgaria, are not going in there and in sort of imp- I'll put it in my words imposing help. Um, their first step is uh, as a catalyst, and again I like that term as a catalyst in these communities is they go and they li- they listen and they learn first uh, and they figure out what is the what do the communities need. And then rather than doing it for them, they they kind of empower the local communities um, to solve those problems and they bring the right people and the right organizations together to do that. So very inspiring group here. Uh, and, and one collective has brought together a number of folks here to listen to their stories, um, figure out how to best support their mission going forward. And it's just been it's in the you know, with the uh, with the uh, surroundings, it's just been an incredible weekend. So,
0: what exactly are you doing? Are you are you brainstorming new projects? Are you talking about how best to spend the money? What are you doing this weekend? What's the purpose
1: of this yeah, gathering? Similar, yeah, similar to our annual gathering of pilgrims, the um, this brings together folks that have been supporters of One Collective uh, over and over a period of time, and goes over the mission, um, brings in people from all over the world that are working these projects to tell their stories and make uh, make people realize the power of people working together to get these things done um in addition to that um you know we're as we uh as we go through we're eating a lot of good food there's uh, some entertainment and so it's really it's really about uh, you know building a strong foundation uh, of folks that can work together to support uh, the one collective mission and get things done so how oh, fantastic um,
0: yeah. yeah and the camino a, a big part of it as well Let's talk about the Camino, right. David. You and your lovely wife Amy walked the Camino with your eldest son, and I know it had a huge impact on you and and in Damien and, and your son, your your lives. Tell us all about the Camino and you.
1: Absolutely, we um, um, I, like my, like a number of people. Um, I first uh, learned about the Camino uh, based on watching a movie called The Way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was on a I was on a plane to Guam, and scrolling through movies, and this one caught my eye. And I watched it, and um, w- can't really explain it. But I just I, I just watched it, and I said I have to go. Like this is something I have to do. And I, my wife, I, I had her watch it because you know it's quite a long flight, um, and she watched it. And her initial answer uh, was she looked at me and she was like, no. <laughs> 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 and so, um, so we ended up. I got a hold of my you know, oldest son and said, hey, uh, watch this movie. It's pretty pretty inspiring and he called me back after he watched it and he said when are we going oh wow and so um and so over time now with my wife um over time I eventually caught her in in REI looking at backpacks uh she'd read a lot of the material that I was doing in terms of research getting ready for it and she uh so she ended up uh, deciding to go along and um, I don't know how many people know this, but the kids bet against her initially and said, I don't think she's going to last four days. Um, and I'll tell you, she made it all the way. Wow. And did, a, did an incredible job. And uh, we all walked into that square in Santiago together about 36 days after we started.
0: Oh, fantastic. How fantastic. The As I mentioned at the top of the, the podcast, you're one of the directors of the board of American Pilgrims on the Camino. And there's a little spiel there. It says... Your Spiel says the memories that remain the most vivid are the smaller things, the warmth of the freshly dried clothes in Roncesvalles, the smell of bread on the way up to Osobrero and the group of pilgrims singing in the gentle rain as we approached Santiago. Those three things, I, to me, they're like such vivid, not memories, but I can, images are so clear to me. But i want to put something to you david you're an ex-navy guy right you're a highly decorated highly ranked officer in the american navy right how and why how and why does pilgrimage resonate with someone like you
1: that's a good question the um for me uh i was approaching a period of time uh, you know like many folks who walk the camino i was approaching a time of transition so i was getting ready to retire from the military which is a really big change we were gonna. We were getting ready to move from Guam uh, uh, to Washington D.C. to continue working with the Navy as a civilian, and uh, we were gonna be um, homeless for <laughs> a couple yeah. of months as our, as our household goods moved over. And so, uh, like I said, this movie caught my attention, and you know, people. I wonder. Uh, sometimes, you know, people talk about, you know, they walk for a number of reasons, and American Pilgrims is a secular organization, but the um, there is something spiritual about the Camino, I think, that that kind of calls people, and I think that was the case for me, um, because it just, I watched it, and I said, gosh, I need to go, and, um, and so I think some of it has to do with that period of transition you're trying to figure out what comes next. Um, and, and like you said, as you walk the Camino, you're able to slow things down Mm. and walking with my wife and my oldest son. Um, it was interesting because there were times we walked together and we talked, you know, at length, there were times we walked together and just walked in silence and just kind of with our own thoughts. Mm. And there were times we all during the day when we all separated a bit and we each had some time alone. Uh, but then we came together in the evenings and kind of told the stories about what we were thinking about. And um, it really does allow you to slow down, think about your life, think about um, things that are that are possible in the future. Um, and we don't often, I think, take the time to do that sort of thing. So very valuable experience, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. And was Amy, was your wife Amy surprised by your acceptance of the gifts of the Camino?
1: I don't think so. I think oh. um, um we we both I, I don't we both had sort of different expectations about what it might be. Um I know uh, Amy w- thought it was going to be a little bit more of a sort of this grueling march where you just have to grind it out day yeah, to day. Yeah. That really that really wasn't the case. Um we didn't maybe go as fast as some people go, and uh, but we kind of went at our own pace. Uh, we started early in the morning and stopped early in the afternoon, and we took the we took the opportunities along as we passed through these small towns to stop and look in the look in the churches and get a cup of coffee at a cafe and talk to some other people. And uh, and as you know, you you just meet people from all over the world. Um, You get those different perspectives, you hear the different stories, and uh, you really walk away with something special.
0: You say the most rewarding experiences were the people, the exuberance of fellow pilgrims as we walked into town each afternoon, the thoughtfulness of the hospitaleros each evening, and the kindness of strangers when we took wrong turns. Did you get lost
1: often? We actually did. We actually uh, there was uh, you're gonna you're gonna laugh at this story because uh, I always tell people to this day, if you find the Australians on the Camino, you should spend time with them because they're always fun <laughs> we met we met two uh, two Australian women who were walking together, and we had a great evening with them. We just sat down and we had dinner with them. We talked uh, American politics, Australian politics, a number of things. And we just had the greatest time with them. They walked off in the morning and we walked off and we didn't see them for quite some time. But we were walking through Burgos and and, and folks familiar with walking through there. It's not the the marking isn't always uh straightforward. Yeah. And so as we were walking along, we got lost. And we were just kind of wandering our way through trying to find our way to the cathedral. And uh all of a sudden we hear these screams off to the right, and about two blocks down on a crossroad, we just happened to pass, are these two Australian women? <laughs> Who are who are also lost. <laughs> so we ended up stopping, and we had a uh, uh, we had a cup of coffee together. We paused and considered the situation, and and oddly enough, found our way pretty easily back to the trail. Uh, which, which I think brings out an interesting observation. I think you said this in the beginning. Um, things will work themselves out, and and that's one of the big lessons I think I learned on the Camino. Whenever I run up against a problem, I tend to. Um, want to as a Navy person, especially, you tend to want to go attack the problem and uh, and solve it immediately. Sometimes what I learned on the Camino is sometimes the best thing you can do is stop, pause, <laughs> relax a minute, and think about it and and once we once we started to do that, we had some of the most amazing experiences. Uh, we were walking through one small town and somebody um, in the Pyrenees and somebody had told us, um that as you go into this town, there was this particular restaurant you were supposed to find to get a key. And so we went and found that restaurant, and we were sure we were in the right place. And this restaurant was closed. And when I say closed, I, I don't mean just closed for a couple of hours. I mean the place was empty. There were no tables, no chairs. It was <laughs> gone. <laughs> and so we stepped away. And our initial instinct was, okay, what are we going to do? And we started looking around, and we remembered that lesson uh, that we had learned the first time we walked the Camino, and we just stopped, and we wait, We stopped and paused and waited for a minute. And sure enough, a car drives by, uh, stops and rolls down the window, and a woman in the car says, Pelerin? You know, or Pilgrim? And we said, yes. And um, they said, uh, um, albergue (laughs) we said yes you know (laughs) and she said uh restaurant is closed and and uh and and then she told us where to go find the key where it was now and before she drove away um she pointed to herself and she said mayor so that was the mayor of the town who happened to drive by and see these two pilgrims um who she knew wanted the key and directed them and sure enough we found our way so uh, that was, I think, one of the most important lessons
0: yeah. I learned on the Camino. stop and pause and wait and take your time. Yeah, but there's that kindness, isn't it? Why do you think the Camino provides an opportunity to reflect and to bring about kindness in us and in and in others? Why?
1: Yeah, I keep telling people, you know, people go, why do you go walk this multiple times? <laughs> or why do you, even the annual gatherings of pilgrims with American pilgrims, I tell people it restores my faith in humanity. I think a lot of it has to do with it gives you the opportunity to slow down a little bit in a fast paced world. Um, stop taking in so much information constantly. Get away from your phone. Mm. And when it, you boil it down, no matter where people come from, um, I think people want to be helpful, they want to be kind. Um, the, the people of Spain obviously with the hospitality is just amazing but everybody you meet on the commuter regardless of where they're from um, you're not an American, you're not a Russian, you're not a, a Chinese person, you're not a Australian, you're a pilgrim mm-hmm. and I think it's a great equalizer and it allows us to be um, slow down and, and be kind to one another so um, I, I think the more people that experience that the better off we're going to be
0: Yeah and then you take it home with you don't you? and 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 the ability to yep. take it home to your community and your family and your you i find myself a much i don't want to give myself a rap here that's a bit vain to be saying it but i find <laughs> i well i find i'm a gentler person overall um as a result of being part of the camino community i'm just gentler overall i i just am kinder to people it just in 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 everyday life. how what about you, David? How does the Camino resonate with you in your daily life?
1: I think that's absolutely true, and which is why when uh, when people come back, they often, there's often this sort of burst of enthusiasm of, gosh, how can I give back either to the Camino or to my own community? And for me, that's where American Pilgrims on the Camino came in. I used American Pilgrims for information uh, in a credential before I left. But when I came back, I was like, wow, I need to find more people like this. And we had a local chapter in the D.C. area, um, and I made some contact with them. But I also saw at that time uh, there was an advertisement for board members uh, on, the, on the board of directors of American Pilgrims. And we periodically are searching for new board members as as board members roll off. There's sort of a forced rotation yeah. on the board. And, um and so I put in an application, and, and what was interesting was I hadn't done a lot with the national, obviously, other than use the website. I hadn't done much with the local chapter, but I interviewed with um, some, you know, some board members at the time. And they took a chance on me, and they, you know, and I don't know what I said that convinced them, but uh, <laughs> they brought me onto the board of directors. And I tell you, it's been a real blessing. These uh, the folks that work with American Pilgrims on the Camino, and all because it, it's an all volunteer organization, uh, and the volunteers, I tell you, are really dedicated. They spent their time um, um, doing some just um, just amazing work. And the things we've been able to accomplish over the ex- last six years, I, I, I've, been, I've been particularly proud of. And something I'll count among sort of my best achievements. Yeah. <laughs> in uh, well,
0: in all of my interactions with the American Pilgrims on the Camino, it's been pure joy, absolute delight, which is the perfect segue for us to talk about next year's annual gathering.
1: Tell us all about it. The gathering is is absolutely my favorite part of the year with American Pilgrims. Um, We bring together um, every year. We bring together about uh, anywhere from, depending on the size of the venue, approximately 300 people are able to come together. We've we've had gatherings recently in North Carolina and Lake Tahoe, like the one you attended. We were just back there again last year. And this year coming up in 2024, we're going to San Antonio, Texas. The Mo Ranch uh, Presbyterian Assembly is going to host us there. Uh, it's actually in Hunt, Texas, about an hour and a half west of, of San Antonio. And we've got a really special program planned uh, for folks that don't know what the gathering is. It's a it's a, a three day conference, and it, it's made up of again all volunteers who come in and they um, some they provide some academic lectures. We have uh, people just pilgrims that are coming to tell their story. We have people that come and talk about the various routes, uh, the various Camino routes. Uh, we have people come talk about the different programs and the volunteer opportunities with the uh, with American pilgrims. And we also, then, like like you, we have a uh, a lot of entertainers come in uh, and, and provide us some entertainment, give us an opportunity to get to know one another better. And I tell you, the venue in uh, at Mo Ranch is going to be outstanding for that because it it just set up so well that there's this sort of core area where everybody will be able to gather. And then there's these little nooks that are sort of all over uh, the grounds where we can get together in small groups and have have smaller conversations and really get into some, you know, some more detailed conversation and and really get to know each other. So in terms of community building, it's going to be outstanding. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'll, I'll be there. I'll be singing, and and we'll all be singing. It's going to be an amazing adventure. But David, tell me what should I expect when I get to Texas? I've never been to Texas.
1: Texas is, uh, you know, so Texas can have a reputation, I suppose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you think you, you conjure up images of Texas? I will tell you, uh, we went down to the venue. I've, I've been to Texas several times. Uh, I, I really I'm excited about going there it's been a long time we moved this Gathering around the country yeah. and it's been a, a while since we've had one in that region and there are uh several really robust chapters in Texas so uh, between Dallas and Houston and San Antonio and Austin there's there's plenty of pilgrims uh and they are excited to host uh, other pilgrims around the country so I think you're what you're going to experience there is is the same sort of open arms welcome you've you've experienced at the other gatherings.
0: Yeah, 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 I can't wait. It's gonna be absolutely awesome. And it's a lot, I think it's, I think Dallas is the longest flight you can take from Sydney in the world. <laughs>
1: I've done that leg. I've actually traveled that. Have you really? To the,
0: there Quite you a go. long flight. It is a long flight. Yeah, yeah. But it's going to be fantastic. But now, that's 2024 and it's March and I'll I'll give yeah. the listeners the details. I've got all the details and how they can book their spot and and I strongly recommend you, you join us because it's going to be fantastic. I'm doing a show on the Saturday night. But there's an even
1: bigger event planned for 2025. Tell us all about that. Absolutely. One of the goals of American Pilgrims over the last year has been to increase our uh, external engagements, So engagements with other associations around the world to see what we can do together. And so we've really been focusing a lot of attention on that. Um, and so one of the steps there is we're working with hand-in-hand uh, hand with the Canadian Company of Pilgrims. And Donna Coots uh, and I are going to co-host uh, the 2025 gathering at, uh, in Vancouver, British Columbia. So the venue is going to be the University of British Columbia. Uh, we've been up there. We've met with the staff. They're excited to have us. Um, and so again, we're gonna we're gonna bring both organizations together um, and bring in speakers from all over the world. Uh, we've been in conversations uh, recently uh, with the Australians, with uh, the Association in the Netherlands, the UK, um, South Africa, oh. um, all over all over the wow. place. And so. We're going to we're going to bring as many folks we can uh, as we can together there uh, as the venue will support and have again have three days of lectures and uh, we're we're trying to bring in a lot of new voices so um, not a knock on the, the the folks that have been our longtime supporters and long term speakers at the gatherings but we're really trying to focus over the next two years on bringing as many new voices to the table as possible and so I think you uh, you're going to see some some really good. Uh, set of presentations uh, to inspire you to, to get back on the Camino or get out there if you haven't been yet.
0: And to give back. It's a great way to to meet other people and to w- learn how to give back and how to share and and care. I think that's what I've always found. I've, I, I've been to two Australian uh, conferences and, and one in America. I'll be there again early next year. and It's a chance just to meet other people to learn how to give back. I think it's a fantastic thing It's to support one another and to Find that and share that common love. It's it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, and
1: there's and, and there's a number of ways. There's a number of ways we do that. One of the biggest ways um, is through the hospitalero program. So, American Pilgrims on the Camino, I think so far has trained has trained well over seven hundred hospitaleros, and over four hundred and fifty of those have actually volunteered on the ground in in Spain, uh, having a huge impact. And so, American Pilgrims does about four trainings per year. Um, and, and that's just that's directly directly affecting pilgrims on the ground. The other big thing we do is uh, that I'm just really proud of uh, the team is uh, is is through our grants program. Uh, this year alone, we've sponsored 19 projects totaling over ninety-one thousand dollars of infrastructure projects, helping albergues, um, waymarking for trails. Uh, just various projects um on the Camino again having a direct impact on the quality of the the pilgrim experience uh, to date uh we've sponsored I think over 140 projects uh, totaling uh, almost six hundred thousand dollars wow and so, and that's through the generosity of all the the donors and volunteers uh, uh, um, both here and and abroad we have a lot of uh, foreign supporters as well
0: yeah yeah well I've had a lot to do with the American Pilgrims on the Camino and the Canadian Company of Pilgrims, and I can tell you the 2025 con- conference is going to be absolutely epic. I can't wait. You, you, <laughs> I can't wait, David. But you mentioned earlier um, local chapters. You, you spoke about the local chapters in Texas being particularly robust. Tell us, what do local chapters do? and um, Why would someone listening think about seeking them out?
1: Well, we have uh, about 60 chapters around the country and um, these are, again, staffed by volunteers, and so there's typically two to three coordinators for each chapter. And these people, uh, one of our core missions is to gather pilgrims together. And so in addition to that annual gathering, uh, there's gatherings that occur informally uh, throughout the year, um, every month of the year, um, across across the country. And so. But these chapters do some amazing work. So some of the things the chapters do, they get together for coffees. Just like anybody that's really been sort of bitten by the Camino bug, they love to tell stories, and so they get people together to do that. Uh, they watch movies, uh, they, uh, they you know they do book reviews. they and one of the big things they do is uh, is, is hikes and walks and uh, and presentations on how to prepare yourself for the Camino. so the the chapters are really for anybody everybody ranging from folks that are just thinking about it and want to want to learn more all the way to people that are coming back from their Camino and just want to carry on that sense of community and um, and so those chapters are like i said are all over the place and you go on the american pilgrims website and you can find a chapter near you uh, invariably and, uh, and and hook up with them and uh, it's just a way to carry it on. Yeah, and and what about if if if
0: I want advice, could I reach out to my local chapter, for instance, if I needed to get from Paris to Saint Jean Pied Port? Is that the kind of information? Like, can I reach out to find information
1: from a local chapter? You can, yeah. There, um, local chapters. Everybody, everybody that's walked the Camino is happy to answer questions. <laughs> and we, we, uh, we, we kid a little bit on our Facebook page. We have over, over, I guess now thirty four thousand uh, members there. And on that Facebook page, everybody always jokes about how many times can people ask what kind of shoes should I wear for the, you know, (laughs) on the But I tell you, you know, people like to be able to reach out with a question and get an answer and get a number of opinions. And that's just a great way to do it. So uh, whether it's through your local chapter or on the Facebook page, uh, we're now now kind of expanding out onto LinkedIn. And I think we have almost uh, 1,500 subscribers on our YouTube channel. That has videos uh, on all these sort of topics there there's there's no shortage of information out there about um uh, how to prepare yourself or maybe even how to process your community when you get back
0: yeah yeah does the american pilgrims on the camino work with cyclists as well
1: they do so um that's uh, there's actually um on the american pilgrims website there's a section for bicyclists and there's also a face facebook group for bicyclists um, and you can find the links on, on, on either of those. Um, I've, I myself have, uh, my wife and I decided we were going to go back and uh, do the Portuguese route and we were going to do it by bike. And so we went back to, uh, I think it was 2017. We went back and we started in Porto and we got on our bikes and started going. And I don't know how far you're supposed to go on a bike every day, but I think we went about as far as you might walk in a day. <laughs> and, uh. And we kind of meandered our way across north and north from Porto up towards the Spanish border, and we were having so much fun along the way that we didn't actually get as far as we intended to, so we stopped in Camina, Portugal, just uh, just at the Spanish border, and we ended up taking a bus into Santiago because we were just out of time, and so and I'll tell you we had just as much fun as we did the first time. So um, one of one of the things I think it's important for people to know is uh, there's no right way uh, to do the Camino. I mean, you do have to, in order to get the Compostela, if that's what you're after, you need to uh, do certain distances if you're walking or riding a bike. Uh, but we got our Compostela the first time, and since then, we've gone and done pieces of the of the Camino routes. And I will tell you, um, there is no right way or wrong way to do it. Um, it's that engagement with that community that I think really makes all the difference.
0: My wife is walking from Porto to Santiago right now. Uh, with, oh, yeah. you with three three girlfriends. They call themselves the Portugals. And, <laughs> very and, nice. and the photos that she's sending, and I spoke to her very late last night, she is just having the time of her life, and it's so fantastic. The smile on their faces, it's just wonderful, just absolutely beautiful. And I've got to say, you're in big sky montana there are big skies in portugal on that coastal route boy The magic no hey wow it's really beautiful yeah
1: we biked along there and i will tell you the difference i found between bicycling and walking i think walking you get a little bit more interaction with other pilgrims on the on the biking you tend to kind of you spend more time kind of in your own head just uh, you know thinking on your own and then uh, in the, it's in the evenings where you really get to engage with other pilgrims. But we found ourselves so tired by the end of the day that we didn't, we didn't do as much of that. But it was still an incredible experience.
0: The four values of the American pilgrims on the Camino are try to ensure that every part of every decision, they take into consideration community, service, service. Gratitude and simplicity. Community and service are pretty self-explanatory, I suppose, and I understand those. But talk us through gratitude. Why is gratitude one of the four key or core values of the American pilgrims on the Camino?
1: Sure. My view on gratitude is um, I think one of the things you you learn, and and I think the first first time I heard it, somebody told me uh, a pilgrim is grateful. Um, is when you when you start walking into albergues um, and you're accepting the hospitality that others are offering, um, you need to give up your right. You, you need to give up your instinct to be choosy. Right. And in and, 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 and demanding. And you learn that very early on um, uh, And that 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 willingness to accept the hospitality of others, uh, I think, is just incredibly important. And again, that's all part of slowing down recognizing the gifts that others bring to the table and being grateful for those gifts. And so we use that, um, we use that core value to sort of ground us a bit. Um, and it's, it's the willingness to not only thank people and be grateful for what they have to offer, but be willing to be thanked. And that's the other side of it. I think that's important um, is, is be open to folks that are uh, accepting of your hospitality and, um, And again, I think even if it's not exactly what you were looking for, uh, it's their gift uh, that they're bringing to the table and and learning to be appreciative of those is important. And that's been critically important on the board over the last six years. I think we've gotten much better at uh, being grateful for each other's talents. Um, There was a time, I think, uh, years ago where, uh, you know, you get a little bit of it. You know, you get a lot of high performing people, a lot of people with a lot of passion and they tend to say, no, uh, I don't like the way you're doing it. I want you to do it my way. Over the years, we've gotten very good at saying, hey, look, you bring these talents to the table. I'm going to complement them with mine. Uh, and and we're going to we're accomplish something great together. And the board's really done that. And I think uh, that's borne itself out in a lot of the gatherings and things. We, we've had folks come up to us and say, you all really like working together, don't you? <laughs> and we and we do. We really like each other, uh, and we like sort of what the organization has become. So, well, I'm as I said,
0: with- yeah, uh, the the my interactions with the American Pilgrims on the Camino is all. It's just pure joy. It's just absolutely fantastic. Community service. You talked about gratitude, but what about simplicity? Why is simplicity a, fo- a one of your four core values?
1: Yeah, simplicity is incredibly important because, again, I talk about that passion. You come back from the Camino and it's like, we should do this, we should do this, we should do that. And we have, you know, this. Uh, the American Pilgrims Board of Directors is um, 11 people. Chapters typically have three coordinators um, and then a number of volunteers. But it's generally small groups of people that are acting as the catalyst for these things. And we have to, as we go, think about the things we want to do. We have to factor in the personal resources we have. We have to factor in the, the the monetary resources we have, and we have to sort of every now and again take a step back and say, "Okay, is there a simple way to do this?" And and you'll notice, um, and that's one of the again, the gathering kind of brings this all together. Um, it's a it's a high quality uh, product that we put together, and it's a really great experience. But it's all done by volunteers, and it's all done really fairly simply. Um, And that's why the Pilgrims community is so great to serve is because, um, again, it's that willingness to just sort of take what's what's been offered and and really get the most out of it. So I I would tell you, as a board, um, we use that value of simplicity as a filter to go, okay, here's what we want to accomplish. How can we do that? Uh, with the best use of resources and the best use of the time that we have uh, with the community and to get the biggest impact or or achieve the outcome we're looking for. If somebody asks you
0: or sees a a t-shirt you're wearing that says Camino, or you're talking about the Camino conference or the annual gathering, and they say, what's the Camino? How do you
1: explain it to people? How do you describe it? One of the most dangerous things you can do is walk up to somebody wearing a Camino T-shirt and say, do you want to talk about the Camino? Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you better have time on your hands. You know? That's um, very funny. No, but, that, when, but when somebody comes up and, and talks about uh, the Camino or asks what it is, um, a lot of times people will come with this, uh, if they know about the Camino, they'll come with this conception that it's a it's one route. And so here, just even here at the One Collective weekend here in Big Sky, I've talked to a lot of people about, hey, pilgrimage used to be from the the your doorway to Santiago, mm-hmm. and so it can start literally anywhere. I've been all over the place. I mean, in, I was in, in Innsbruck, Austria, and I came across a a Camino symbol, a, a scallop shell, on the side of a church, and it was the it was the way it was the Camino going through Austria on its way to on its wow. way to Spain and. So these routes spread out across Europe, and so it's not just one thing, which I think fits well with. There's no one right way to do the Camino. You know what I mean? It's your it's your pathway. It's your walk. It's your experience, and uh, and every one of them is different. So, um, so that I usually try to emphasize. Uh, I talk about the fact that it's a pilgrimage route, and obviously it's a Catholic pilgrimage route. But I tell them, hey, I'm not I'm not Catholic, but I sort of felt called to go walk this route, and it's brought me a lot of joy over the years. And so, uh, there's, you know, you, you can walk it for any number of reasons, and people of all religions and faiths, or no faith at all, uh, walk, uh, walk, walk this route and are transformed in some way uh, through the experience. So
0: you just talked about the Austrian route. I don't know why. I just thought I want to walk that route.
1: <laughs> I don't. Right. I just yeah. went
0: oh, Austria. Now that would be beautiful. That would be extraordinary.
1: We, we were vis- we were visiting innsbruck and we found it, and we're like, we should just grab a backpack and go. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Wow, that, that's fantastic. Austria. Now, now, you're talking. Okay, that's what happens, isn't it? Somebody mentions something, and next thing you know, you're on. Right. You're on that Camino. Hey, you're a fan. Add it to the list. Yeah. 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 That's it. Right. It's on my list. You're a family man. You and Amy have a beautiful family. How does the Camino help you be a better father and grandfather?
1: Well, I'll tell you one 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 story I have that I that I, I'm proud of is um, I talk about my youngest son. So I, my oldest son went with me on the on the first Camino we did, and it was such a transformational experience that it really stuck with us. Obviously, and and my son, my youngest son, was living out in Portland. Oregon and living with some friends, you know. So that was sort of the dream, right? They all move they move into an apartment together in Portland and they were off doing their thing after high school. But he wasn't doing very well. He wasn't in great health. Um, you know, he had a job out there, but it wasn't paying a lot. And so mm. his living conditions weren't as as what you might expect. And I was I was genuinely worried about him. And so we got to talking and and eventually he, he decided he wanted to come back home uh, to DC and live with us. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll make you a deal. Um, you can come back, but first I need you to walk the Camino and I'll buy the ticket. <laughs> and so he, he agreed. He didn't, re- he knew we had walked it. He had chosen not to go with us the first time. Um, and he knew, but he kind of knew what a little bit about what it was. Um, and, and so he went, and he landed in, in uh, Paris, and he had to get down to Saint-Jean. And he ended up, uh, he called me from the train station in Paris, and he goes, hey, I just missed my train, and uh, um, and I don't know what to do. And I said, well, gosh, you better figure that out. And I hung up. <laughs> and so he, he figured it out on his own, and he got down to Saint-Jean. And the next picture I got was a picture of him in the Pyrenees, and it was with a group of people. And I will tell you, he was smiling. And it was the first time I'd seen him smile in probably a couple of years. Um, and he was smiling, and he was with this group. And then I saw another picture uh, in Roncesvalles, and then another picture on the way to Pamplona. And it he tra- was, I don't know, it just, my my view, it transformed him. Um, and he, he realized, you know, there's more to life than just, you know, this core group of friends that I was living with in Portland. And he ended up, he got to just shy of Burgos. And I had told him along the way, I said, I think you're going too fast. You're going to hurt yourself. You haven't prepared for this. You know, you need to take it easy. And he, he said, yeah, my knees are really killing me. I don't know how much longer I can go. And, uh, he waited a couple of days and then he walked a little further and he called from the next town and he said, I think I'm. I think I have to come home. I'm done. I can't. I can't walk another step. And I said, "Oh well, that's enough." I said, "You can go back someday and finish it." Um, and he came back to DC. Uh, he got a job um, where he met his future wife. Oh. <laughs> and he and his he he and his wife both joined the Navy. Um, and they just recently completed uh, their first six year tour in the Navy. Uh, both of them decided to get out, but they had their first son. Um, and now they're living up in New York and uh they're happy as can be uh, I think uh that is a, a case where I think the Camino was just transformative um and uh, and I'm not I don't, I don't I think he recognizes it and I know they want to go back and finish it uh, this time with his family yeah um but I think that demonstrates a little bit uh, at least what uh, the power I believe that the Camino has uh to transform
0: what a great story how that's just absolutely fantastic. And it's something, does he kind of realize or does he acknowledge that the Camino played a part
1: in that transformation? I think so. We we haven't, believe it or not, we haven't actually had that explicit conversation, although I've told this story a couple of times. I think if you asked him today, he would recognize it. I don't think he recognized it when he came back. I think he just thought it was something crazy that his dad wanted to do. <laughs> But again, he was at that point of a transition in his life yeah, and he yeah. was ready, yeah. I think, to go out there and it forced him to face some things and and learn some things that, that I think have paid huge dividends for him.
0: I was walking between Trichostella to Saria and my middle son, Lewis sort of caught up to me and, and said, uh, Dad, Dad, uh I walk with you for a while. And so we were walking together and it was a most beautiful day. Spectacular. And in the course of the, he said, you know, I'm going to change everything when I get home. And I said, what, what do you mean? And he was working shift work at the radio station where I had worked for 20 years and he was working shift work. Yeah. He said, I'm not going to do shift work anymore. I'm going to get a nine to five job and I'm going to go do my university part-time and I'm going to get a nine to five job and start making a wage and I said, "Wow, that's a huge change." Are you sure? He said, "I know that's what I want to do. I've been thinking about it while I've been walking." Anyway, he came back and did that, and he's just been this one, this month promoted from a sales coordinator to a sales representative. He, he's a sales executive. He's a he's that's twenty. He's twenty two years old, and and, right. and and he's making more money than he than he's ever made it's just the most incredible thing he made that decision on the Camino it changed his life and he's he's, and it's just I think having the time to think about things yeah because you don't really have that time in our busy day-to-day lives having the time to reflect and having the time to think it's it's fantastic What can I learn from other pilgrims? If I'm going to the annual gathering or if I'm on the Camino de Santiago and it's a long, lazy Saturday afternoon in a little Spanish village, what can I learn from other pilgrims, David?
1: I think you can learn, um, whether it's at the gathering or whether it's on the Camino itself, I think there's a lot to learn um, in terms of um, understanding other people and understanding their motivations and recognizing that we all have sort of strengths and limitations. Um, I use my wife Amy as an example. She, when we were preparing for our first Camino, um, I'm not entirely sure she thought she could do it, right? You know, she goes, I'm not the right size or shape or and to have the right mentality to go do something like this. And so it was really kind of outside of sort of the norm. And um, I think if you go to a gathering or you go on the Camino, you will see that there are people of all shapes and sizes, all levels of ability, um, all different motivations, uh, all sort of looking for the same thing. You know, there's something that I think calls you to the Camino. And and that's what we all have in common. And it puts us uh, sort of all on a level playing field um, uh, and, and makes you really think about um kind of your where you stand relative to everybody else. Or uh, and so I, I think there's just a lot to learn from just being with all those other people. Um, um whether it's, you know, you, you can learn everything from the the technical and the practical to the to the spiritual to the uh to whatever. It's um um it's just experiencing them as real people as opposed to whatever your sort of preconceptions were yeah. going into it.
0: And you'll have a lot of fun. I can't wait to be involved in next year's gathering in March, and the combined gathering and the following year. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a hoot, and, and and the next year as well. The combined, the sort of global gathering, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. It's a great opportunity to get together to share experiences, and it's a great opportunity to tell stories. Tell us a Camino story, David.
1: Sure. Yeah. They, uh, and while well, at the gathering, what you, one of the things you'll experience is we've implemented this thing that started in St. Mary's. Uh, one of our board members, Tom Labazinski, oh, came yeah, up Tom. with an idea to do two-minute stories. And people get up and they're literally timed for two minutes. And I rarely go, well, sometimes I go over. But <laughs> you, know, you get two minutes to tell this story and you hear some of the most amazing experiences. Some of them are inspirational. Some of them are funny. Some of them are both. And I'll share with you the one I used, I, I told last year, my parents, um, when I was when I walked the Camino, my parents were getting older. And uh, they ended up, uh, they were in their late 80s. And, uh, and they were both passing away and they knew it was coming. And, uh, and I so I had an opportunity to be with them uh, at, during that period. And one of the things my mother said before she passed away, literally, I think the day before she passed away, she said, hey, take me on one of those Camino things you do.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. and, and she, uh, and because she'd never been to Europe, and she always wanted to go. And so uh, I said, I will, you know, I'll do that. And then before my father passed away, just a month later, uh, he said, hey, take me with your mother.
0: <laughs> and oh, so
1: good. So, I, so I took uh So I took both of their ashes in in, uh, two small uh, little containers um, and uh, put them in my, deep in my backpack and carried them. (laughs) One of my biggest fears was that uh, they would uh, get confiscated in customs or something like that. And then then my mother would never, she would haunt me for the rest of my days (laughs) for for losing her. But she, uh, (laughs) she, uh, um, but when I got to France, I, I, I dug them out and, We were walking uh, along the Piedmont route through the Pyrenees, uh, heading uh, from all around St. Marie to St. Jean. And my plan was to, uh, I had in my head, and I don't know why I thought this, but I did. uh, I said, you know, I just want to find a nice sort of pastoral setting, a nice view, you know, something somewhere pretty and inspirational. And I was walking through the woods and we came up to the crest of a ridge into this clearing and there was a sign, and I kid you not, the sign said "Pastoral View" <laughs> in English. <laughs> it said "Pastoral View," and I was like, "Well, here we are. I guess I That's found right. it." <laughs> and so we scattered their asses together there and left the two little containers uh, beneath a the bush there and walked on. And uh, and and so I've always felt pretty good about that in terms of uh, we found we found their. They're sort of a, at least a piece of their resting place in, uh, so in along the Camino in Europe and uh, fulfilled their sort of last request. <laughs> that is a great story. How
0: wonderful. Goodness. Yeah, I, I imagine that a lot of people would love, they hear about it and, and they don't have the opportunity to do it. And I know my mother is 88 now. She loves to talk about the Camino with me, but she knows she'll never be able to do it. And I think that's, all the more sure. all the more motivation for us who are able and capable of doing it to get out there and do it and then to come together in in and support one another when we get home to be involved in local chapters to seek out local chapters to go to annual gatherings and i can't wait uh to see you again well, the,
1: other big, and the other big the yeah. other big piece i think too is that people when they come back they want to give back and hospital arrows we talked about the grants program yeah. another way one way, and and this is an interesting uh, way to give back that I think uh, doesn't get a lot of visibility, but should. Uh, in Ribadiso, there is a welcome service, and, and American pilgrims has, have supported Ribadeso since twenty fifteen, and it's an opportunity to, for folks to go back for sort of two week um, a two week period, and they don't do they're not it's not like a hospitalero where you're you're caring for pilgrims or managing uh, the running of an albergue. This is, uh, you are there purely to provide hospitality to pilgrims, to listen to their stories, to offer them a, a piece wow. of a snack or a piece of candy. Uh, it's a really unique way to give back. And we're looking, uh, one of the things we're evaluating right now are ways to go um, um, expand that perhaps or find other other venues where people can um, and give back in that way. Um and there's some other major major projects we're we're thinking about taking on uh, we're we're going to support a, an international albergue that's forming in Madrid. So for pilgrims all over the world that come to Madrid, you'll be able to stay in an albergue oh, there before you head Yeah. Uh, we've we're making a significant contribution to that. And John Brierly just recently one, one of the most inspirational folks uh, related to the Camino that I I've had the privilege of meeting re, who recently passed away. One of his wishes was that we would think about the Camino pathway between Lisbon and Porto and and investing in that. And so the American Pilgrims is now working with Ah, uh, the local organization there in Portugal, and a number of associations around the world who are getting together just to start conversations about what might we do to sort of fulfill John Brierly's vision uh, of uh, really investing in the Camino between Lisbon and Porto. So those are there are so many ways to give back to the Camino and and uh, uh, you know American Programs is happy to have a big piece of those going forward.
0: yeah. I Everything, as I said, I've had to do with the American Pilgrims on the Camino has been absolutely outstanding, a true joy. David, congratulations to you and and the team at the American Pilgrims on the Camino for the wonderful work you do. Thanks to you for your personal journey and striving through your work to make the world a safer place. And thanks for taking the time to talk with us, it's it's been a real pleasure. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. We've been talking for almost an hour, and it seems like only ten minutes. I'll see you in Texas. <laughs> I, 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 I'll see you in Texas in March. I'll be the Australian guy walking uncomfortably in, in a big pair of cowboy boots.
1: Well, like I said before, uh, you, if you can if you can find the Australians, fun will follow. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, so, David. We're really we're really looking forward to having you. Thanks for uh, listening uh, to the stories and, and about American Pilgrims on the Camino. I'm so very, very proud of the organization. I'm rolling off the board after six years and and uh, I'll continue to volunteer with this organization going forward. But uh, the, the board's being left in some extremely capable hands going forward. Uh, we're bringing four new board members on here uh, very shortly. Um, and thank you. So thank you for having me. And uh, I'm so glad to, to see you're doing better. Yeah. and uh looking forward to seeing you next year in san antonio buen camino buen camino
0: my guest this week was david doncella one of the board of directors of american pilgrims on the camino the 27th annual gathering of pilgrims will be held from thursday march 7 to sunday march 10 next year 2024 at mo ranch presbyterian assembly in hunt texas and as david said it's about 90 miles northwest of san antonio the theme of the gathering is rhythms of the way lighten your load i'll be playing doing a show singing in full voice (laughs) on the saturday night so i hope you all can make it there i'll see you there how about that my quote this week was from the motivational speaker tony gaskins you attract what you are not what you want so if you want it reflect it. That's it for this week. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins, Buen Camino.